1: Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com.
2: Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be looking at verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Of course, Matthew 28 is a passage that needs to be listened to. Of course it is, because it's Holy Scripture, inspired by God. Of course, it's a portion of Scripture that should be believed, because these are the words of Jesus, our Savior. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And of course, Matthew 28 would have been attended to by the disciples in a substantial manner. Think about the incredible drama surrounding this passage of Scripture. Jesus has died and he has risen again from the grave. The disciples are seeming to understand who Jesus is. They seem to finally understand who this rabbi is that they've been following for the last three years. They seem to finally get that Jesus is God. At least a number of them do. How do we know that? What in the text would indicate that they have come to understand who Jesus is? Well, it's located for us in the text in verse 17. We're told that when the disciples see Jesus, they worship him. In the midst of doubting, some are still doubting, which is remarkable. Jesus has risen from the grave. There's still doubt. But in the midst of the doubting, there is worship for Jesus. Now, these disciples, these disciples were those who had been growing up and trained in the Jewish way of thinking they would have known that you only worship God, and you worship God alone. And when they see the man that they followed for the three years of his earthly ministry, when they see him alive again, after they had witnessed him going to the cross and being buried, when they see him alive, it seems to strike them that this is, in fact, God. And so they worship him. They worship. Jesus has come through death. Jesus has conquered death, and his disciples, even though some doubt, in the midst of that doubt, recognize that Jesus Christ is God, and then they worship. And so as Jesus speaks to them here at the end of Matthew 28, the disciples, at least most of them, recognize that the words of God are coming to them, that they need to receive these words of God. And Jesus, as he speaks to them, Jesus Christ, the God-man, he issues a command. Go into all the world is the first part of it. He's saying this gospel that I'm giving to you, this message that God saves by my death and resurrection, this is for all nations. This is not just for Jews. This is for Gentiles as well. Go into every nation across the whole earth. And when you go into all those nations, make disciples. That's the command. Make disciples. Disciples, the command, therefore, that comes from the resurrected Jesus to his disciples is to go into the world and create fully formed, faithful followers of Jesus. And this is a command that the church calls discipleship. Discipleship is just simply the making of disciples. The making of fully formed, faithful followers of Jesus. This is what discipleship means. And discipleship is one of the convictions that this congregation holds dear. This command that comes from Jesus is something that this congregation holds dear. It's something that Orland Park CRC is deeply committed to. And if you'll notice, there are three aspects of this command to discipleship that come from Jesus. Make disciples. Three aspects. By teaching them. To observe or to obey everything that I've commanded you. Those are the three points then that we will have today, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So let's turn first to the first point, teaching. Jesus, as he has risen from the grave, says, go and make disciples, teaching them. An invaluable part of being a fully formed faithful follower is teaching. There is simply no way around it. Regardless of how much you liked or did not like school, teaching is an essential part of Christian formation. And that means that any church that is committed to the words of Jesus Christ is a church that is committed to teaching about him, to forming Christians like Jesus by teaching Christians about Jesus. And it means that if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that means that you need to come to understand more and more and more about him. So let me make this personal. As this command comes from Jesus Christ, you have been called by God to be a disciple of Jesus, and that means that you have been called by God to learn more about him. And so the question that each of us should wrestle with this morning is, do you know more about your Savior than you did three years ago, two years ago, four years ago? Do you love him more than you did two or three or four years ago? Do you love the people of God more than you did just a few years ago? Do you love the ways of God more than you did just a few years ago? Are you someone who is learning more about your Savior? And in so doing, being a disciple. It's time for us to honestly consider this. Am I learning? Am I being taught? Am I being a faithful disciple? And if the answer is no, then then you and I need to have a conversation with the Lord and admit, I have not been a disciple as I should have been. Please forgive me. And please help me to learn more about who you are and more about your ways and more about how I can live for you. And help me to grow in my love for you. And then give yourself to discipleship. Give yourself to being discipled and to the task of discipling others. And there's a particular drum that I usually beat in relation to all of this, in relation to the call to discipleship. And that is that the most effective tool for discipleship, the most effective tool in the whole world for discipleship is the Bible. It is the Bible. When we get to know the Bible, we get to know our Savior. We get to know Jesus because the whole of the scriptures are the drama of the redemption of Christ Jesus. And so when we get to know the Bible, we get to know our Savior. And so if you want to be someone who is discipled, then you need to know the Bible better. And that means that we have to hear the Bible preached, of course, and that means that we need to give ourselves to study of it because in studying the scriptures, we find that we meet our Savior. And that we are called by the Bible to take up our cross and to follow after Jesus in obedience and love. The greatest tool for discipleship is the Bible. And the best tool that I have come across to help somebody dig into what it is that the Bible says with another person is a book that's called One-to-One Bible Reading. And I've talked about it before. I brought a copy here. I have about like seven or eight copies and so if one of you would like a copy of one-to-one Bible reading, you can ask me for it after the service. And if you tell me the person that you are going to read the Bible with, I will give you a copy, no charge, just my gift to you if you are willing to study the scriptures with another person. And the reason that I like this tool so much is that it has, um, it has a bunch of questions at the back of the book. This is the way that the book works. And, and you, what happens is you meet with another person, usually once a week, And you read a certain part of scripture and then there are a bunch of questions that are just provided for you to ask with the other person so that together you can dig into the word of God. So let me give you some examples. These are some questions for if you've just read some apocalyptic literature like in the book of Daniel or in the book of Revelation. And there are questions about the context of the passage. There are questions about observations that you have about this passage that you just read. There are questions about the meaning of the passage. There's questions about application. And so some of the questions are like this. Are there other bits of the Bible mentioned here or hinted at in the passage? What part do these memories play in the text? That helps you understand the context of the passage. And here's some observation questions. What images are used in this passage? What effects do they have? What emotions does this passage arouse? Fear, expectation, awe? And here are some meaning questions. Does this text have a sense of expectation about something happening in the future? What's to be expected and when? How should this motivate action in the present? And then some application questions at the end. How does this passage lead you to trust in God and his promises in Jesus? How does this passage call on you to change the way that you live? These are so helpful in digging into a specific passage of scripture, understanding it better, and getting a sense of what it is that God's word says. I do one-to-one Bible reading with various people within the congregation. I'm deeply thankful for it. It is supremely formative because the Bible is the greatest discipleship tool.
1: Today's message on Grounded and Growing in Christ will continue in just a moment. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, to listen to other messages from our audio ministry, or to make a financial gift of any amount, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. That's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This audio ministry is made possible by gifts from listeners like yourself, and we greatly appreciate all those of you who continue to make it possible to share this work with listeners across Chicagoland. Now let's return to today's message.
2: So the first part of making disciples is that Jesus says, teaching them, and there's a purpose to the teaching that we have, and that purpose is obedience. There's there's an end to the teaching teaching them to observe or teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And this is our second point, to obey. The purpose of the instruction that we receive in the Lord Jesus Christ is to keep the commands of the Lord Jesus, to observe everything that he has commanded us. A disciple of Jesus observes the commandments of the Savior. You know, this speaks to us that Jesus is more than just a friend that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is God. And it speaks to us that a disciple needs to recognize that Jesus Christ is friend and that that is a beautiful truth. But that is not the only truth, that Jesus is the Lord, which means that Jesus is the one that is able to control your life. We don't much like to hear about uh, others controlling our life. If you want to make my daughter angry, you tell her to do something. This is something I'm learning, that this inborn sinful nature of my lovely child means that her favorite word seems to be no. I loved when it was dada, about 16 months it became no, right? Elsie, it's time for us to do this. No, time for us to do this. No, time for us to do this. No. And every time I hear that, I'm like, man, this is insightful in understanding my own heart. This is uh, is helpful in understanding the human heart, right? Because Jesus says, in order to be a disciple, you need to observe, you need to obey all the things that I told you. And the natural inclination is to hear that and be like, no. But a disciple obeys what it is that Jesus commands. Because he's not just a friend. And he's not just a merely earthly ruler. He is the Lord of the universe. He is God. And that means that those that follow after Jesus... Need to observe the things that Jesus commanded. Need to obey Jesus. A disciple is one who recognizes, oh, this friend of mine, this one who came and called his disciples, and therefore by by extension, me too, he calls us friends. He's more than just a friend. He is Lord. He is God. He's the one that determines that which is right and good and beautiful, and so therefore I am going to follow the ways that he has commanded us. He's the one that sets the direction for my life. He's the one that I need to obey. A disciple obeys everything that the Lord has commanded us. And this is an an incredibly important aspect of discipleship. Of obedience. And this is a major reason that the Lord has given to us elders within the congregation. One of the things that the elders are tasked with it's one of the things that we don't like to talk about very much. And that's discipline. That's discipline within the church. Church discipline. And here's what discipline is. It's recognizing that we are people that are sinners. And that sometimes we fall into sin. And what that means is that because God is gracious... He will put Christians in our lives that first check us. And Matthew chapter 18 gives us the process of the way that this works. If a a Christian is caught in sin, then first you go to that Christian and you say, Hey, um, I love you, and I see that you've been doing this. That is sin. And you pray that they listen and they hear and they're like, you're right. And they repent and they follow after Jesus. This is a part of discipleship. But if they don't, you could take another. And if they don't, then, then you go to the elders and then the elders do their work of coming to this person and saying, we plead with you, please. We love you so much that we want for you to turn away from this thing and we want for you to follow after Jesus. We want for you to be a disciple. It's because we care about you. And it's why that at a certain point, if a person is perpetually unrepentant, if they won't obey the Lord, that we're like, well, you're just showing by your continued disobedience that you don't want to be a disciple. And so we just need to acknowledge that openly. Discipline, church discipline, this is a part of discipleship because obedience is central to being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be a follower of Christ Jesus, then that means that you obey that which Jesus has given to us. And if you refuse to, if you're not willing to, if we say no, as is our natural heart inclination, and if we commit ourselves to that, then we are showing that we desire not to be a disciple. That we're a disciple of ourselves, or a disciple of the spirit of the age, or a disciple of the world, but not a disciple of Jesus Christ if we commit ourselves to dis- disobedience, because one of the characteristics of following after Jesus is obeying Jesus. And this is why discipline is a di- part of discipleship because we obey the Lord, and we do it in everything, in everything. Jesus says, in verse 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And that means that a disciple follows God, follows Christ, follows our Savior in everything. It means that when you are baptized, it means that you give up Everything to follow after Jesus in obedience and in love. You follow him in all things, you follow him in everything. And the church commits herself to making sure that the, the Christian follows Jesus in everything. You know, there's a story about how Christianity came to Russia. It may be apocryphal. There are a bunch of conflicting stories. It was a long time ago. It was in the you know, late 900s, the early 1000s. Vladimir the Great was the prince of, of Rus, of what would become Russia. He was a brilliant military strategist, but he was a, a committed pagan. He uh, had expanded territories far beyond his father's extensive domain, and in... Um, 981, he seized a bunch of towns that ended up becoming what the current nation state of Russia is. And even though Christianity had been spreading through that part of the world, uh, Vladimir had remained a thoroughgoing pagan. He took 800 concubines and he made pagan statues. He put them all throughout the, the, the territory that he, um, that he was ruling. He decided, though, that he needed to marry, that he needed to produce an heir for the throne. And the church recommended that he take this woman, Anna, to be his wife, that he marry this woman who is Eastern Orthodox, a woman named Anna. And the marriage was agreed upon under one condition, that, uh, that uh, Vladimir must become a member of the Greek Orthodox Church, and he indicated that he was willing to do so. He sent emissaries to, to the Hagia Sophia, and they reported that in the midst of the worship service at the Hagia Sophia, they didn't know if they were on heaven in heaven or on earth, but they said, but we know that God is there. And so Vladimir indicated that he was willing to be baptized, he was willing to become a part of the Greek Orthodox Church of what would become the Russian Orthodox Church. And so there were those that came from the church to instruct him in Christian doctrine. And when he decided that he was going to become a baptized member of the church, he decided that his empire would become a part of the church as well. And that he would be baptized along with 500 of his most trusted military members, some of the military leaders. And so some catechesis, some discipleship, some training took place. And and they apparently, according to the story, went To the shores of the Mediterranean to be baptized into the church. But just as the baptism was about to begin, one of the priests said, Now, wait a minute, professional soldiers need to give up their life of being professional soldiers before they can be baptized. And this was a problem because the 500 soldiers that he had taken along with him to be baptized were all professional soldiers. And so they were at an impasse. They didn't want to just do do away with the baptisms, but they, they didn't want to say, Hey, you know, you, We're just going to let this part go. And so a compromise was reached according to, according to tradition. That Vladimir went in and was baptized. And that all of the soldiers went in. And, and in the Greek church, they're baptized. Everyone is baptized by complete immersion. If you ever see an infant baptism, it's by total immersion. Where the priest will take the foot of the child and just dip the child all the way. And it's terrifying, actually. But it's, um, it's total immersion Baptism. But they reached this compromise. They said the soldiers can be baptized except they can take their sword out and lift it out of the water. And the upper part of their arm will remain out of the water. This was apparently the compromise they reached. And it was this odd way of saying that they they would be baptized but not all of themselves. They would keep holding on to their sword. They'd keep holding on to their professional career. However, when we become a disciple, we're supposed to give up everything. And this image of of some of these soldiers still wanting to hold on to something as they were being baptized is an image of the way our own heart operates all too often. You know what, Lord? I will come to you and, and follow you, but I... I just have to keep holding on to my checkbook, and I'm just going to keep it above the waters of baptism so that that part doesn't come along with me. You know, I want to become a follower. I want to become a disciple, but I just want to hold on to the TV remote. I'm just going to keep that above the water as I go in to be baptized, right? You know, I want to be a disciple, but if I could just keep holding on to my phone while I go into the water, I just need to keep following the patterns of the world and how it is that I use my phone. Or, you know, I, I want to go into the waters of baptism. I want to be a disciple, but if I could just hold on to my family as I go into the waters of baptism, I just don't want that to be touched. Or, you know, I, I'm willing to go in, but, I, but just let me hold on to my, my sexuality as I go into the waters, and, and I just don't want that part to be touched by, by following after Jesus. This is the temptation of every human heart. I want to follow, except for this one little thing. I'm going to hold this part out. But a disciple of Jesus... A disciple of Jesus doesn't follow Jesus in everything except that which we can keep in our right hand and out of the water. A disciple of Jesus follows Jesus in all that he has commanded us. And that means that if you and I seek to be a disciple, we say, take every part of me. Take my life. And let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take every part of me. I leave none of it above the water. I give myself entirely to you. I want to be your disciple. And if we want to follow Jesus, we follow him in everything. We release our claim to anything else that we had before we follow after him. And we say, you take me, Lord Jesus, and you take every part of me. And so the question, again, comes to us this morning. Are there things in our own lives that we're refusing to let go of, that we're keeping just above the water so that that part of us isn't called to follow Jesus as well? It's time to let go. It's time to be fully immersed. And it's time to give your entire self to following after Jesus because this is what discipleship means and looks like. This is what it means to be a fully formed, faithful follower of Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple.
1: My prayer is that the Lord speaks to you through his word, that we cultivate grateful hearts to him and flourish in a world searching for the hope that we find only in Jesus. To hear more about gratitude, to learn about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, or to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160 through this audio ministry, visit us today at GroundedAndGrowingRadio.com. I'm Pastor Dan Rhoda, and on behalf of the Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the Bible here on AM 1160. If you're not part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you.
2: Grounded and Growing in Christ can be heard weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 1160. I'm Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reform Church. This month we're focusing on the topic of gratitude throughout the Bible, exploring how God has instructed us to flourish in the world with hearts grateful and thankful to God. If you're not a part of a local church, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday as we gather to worship and hear the Word of God proclaimed. You can learn more about our church at groundedandgrowingradio.com.